Good morning, church. Can you guys hear me okay? The mic is on? Yes. Awesome. Well, hey, I'm so glad that you are here with us this morning. My name is Sebastian. I'm the pastoral resident here. I'm just thrilled to open up God's Word with you and dive into it. Uh, If you have been here with us this past couple weeks, you probably know that we've been going through our series title, Joyful Assurance in Jesus. This is the first letter of John. And so far, we've been seeing how John gives us an insight of all of the challenges that some of the believers in the first century were facing. John reminds his audience that of the message that they've heard from the beginning, that, that that is that God is light, and because they are His, then they are to walk in the light. This is the message that they have received from the beginning, and this is the message that we also have received. So, so far, we have examined uh, three tests that John had for us. We've been calling them test uh, Ken spoke about them last week a little bit, and so I just want to remind us of that. That The first test is the test for uh, righteousness, obedience, to walk in the light, to follow Jesus as we walk in the light. The second test was about relationship, that as we follow Jesus, we must also love our brothers and our sisters. And then the last one, the third that we heard last week, is all about doctrine, the importance of standing in the truth of the gospel. Last week, we saw the importance of identifying these false teachers and false teachings, that there's a great danger in being deceived by those who oppose Jesus. We know them as those who were with us, but went out from us because they were not of us. We were reminded that the Holy Spirit abides in us, And that assures us that we know the truth, that we can with confidence and certainty and boldness say, hey, I am saved, you are saved, we are saved. That we can say that we are children of God, that we have been united with Christ and that there is absolutely nothing that can take that away from us. This is where our assurance comes from. So... As we talked about it, John has been emphasizing these two groups, right? There are the children of God, and in our passage we'll see that he's talking about the children of the devil. There is us, and there is them, two very different groups. So before we dive into this and unpack this, I have a question for you. As we read the passage, what did you feel? As we read, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. What did you feel when you read that? Or let me ask you this, what did you feel when you read this? That no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. What did you feel when you heard that? Did you feel a sense of comfort, of security, of of peace? Or did you feel a sense of discomfort and challenge? And maybe that made you a little unsettled. I, I think 
that for us this morning, the word of God, this passage, should make us feel both. We should be in that tension where we feel comfort, deep comfort, in the fact that we are children of God, but also a sense of challenge, because no one that is born of God keeps on sinning. So before we unpack all of this, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day that you have given to us to come to your house and rejoice in the truth of the gospel and be reminded that we are your children and that there is nothing that can take that away from us. I pray that you would prepare our hearts, that you would open up our minds and our ears to hear what you have for us and that your truth would penetrate our hearts and take root in us so that we may live into our identity as your children. I pray that you would help us to set our thoughts and our affections on you this morning and that your truth would captivate us. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So, in our passage this morning, I want to share with you what I, what I think John wants us to know from this passage, the big idea. And that is that because we are children of God, hear me, not in order to become, but because we're children of God, we abide in Jesus and practice righteousness. And we're going to get to see this big idea in three different points this morning. And the first one that we get is the exhortation to abide in Jesus. The second is the reminder that we are God's children. And then the third one comes as an encouragement for us to practice righteousness. So let's dive in into the exhortation to abide in Jesus. As we read in verse 28, this is what John says, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. For us, friends, it, it comes as no surprise that John continues to use this word, abide. I mean, have you heard this word before? Because we're Christians, I feel like we have this sense of like this Christian-y language where we hear words so often that we're like, we think we know what it means. And so we say, yeah, we abide in Jesus. But, but when we get to it, we don't really know how to describe it. Sometimes we don't even know what it looks like to abide in Jesus. Or maybe we're confused and, and we can't really give a definition for it. I don't know if you're there, but, but sometimes I am there. And so I think for us, it would be helpful to find the, the definitions for this word. If we look in the original Greek, the, the verb is meno. That, that is to abide. And the definitions, a couple that would be helpful for us that I want us to consider, is the first one is to remain. The second one is to stay in a place or a certain realm or sphere. And then the third one is to continue in the same state of being, to continue to live. Let me share with you a short story. Uh, last year, my wife and I had the opportunity to go uh, visit my family in Mexico, in San Carlos. And uh, we actually drove like 34, 36 hours. I said, I'm never doing that again. That was, that was tough. But so when we get there, uh, we like to do activities together. And one of them was that we went fishing. I love fishing. So we went fishing with some of my family members. And my younger brother decided to tag along and he came with us. 
So the place that we were, it's open ocean. Literally, you stand on a rock and all you see is water, right? Beautiful. The problem is that my brother doesn't know how to swim. So you can imagine um, how worried we were of the worst that could happen uh, in that situation. So in order to get to the spot that we like to go fishing, you have to hike a little bit. You have to go through rocks and through a couple of mountains, and there's uh, areas where there's like shallow water, but also deep water, so you don't really know where you're stepping. So you need to know how to swim. We told uh, my brother, you know what? We're going to go over there. You're going to stay over here in this rock. Make sure that you don't leave this spot. And surely enough, we're people, right? So the first thing that he did was, okay, I'll do that. Five minutes later, I'm bored. I want to do something else. So he began to explore around. Make the, the long story short, he ended up falling, scraped his knee. He injured his body a little bit. And uh, he went into the water, but luckily my nephew was close by to help him get out. Why am I sharing this short story with you? I, I, I want to make sure that we connect this to our story. Because if we remember from the beginning, God created Adam and Eve. And they were in a place of safety, of security. And we know how the story goes, that they decided to rebel against God and they say, no, thank you. We're going to do our thing. And we know this as they sin, the fall of men happened, right? Fast forward the story, Christ. We know the good news. And we're going to get to unpack that even more. He comes to bring us back so that we now can stand on the solid rock. That is where we are right now. So the call is to abide in that. I want us to consider this definition when we read abide, this word in the text. I want us to think of this. Abide is to remain in the truth that we know about who Jesus is and what he has done. And if we look at it in the context of John and what he's telling us about who Jesus is and what he has done, then we'll see that in chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, he tells us who Jesus is. And he says that Jesus is our advocate with the Father, that he is the propitiation for our sins. He also then, in chapter 1, verse 7, tells us what he has done. And that is that he has cleansed us from all of our sins with his blood. That's, what, that's who Jesus is. That's what he has done. This is the truth of the gospel. And John is intentional in reminding us that there is a purpose in our abiding. And that is that when we abide in Christ... We have confidence. We can stand with confidence because we know that Christ is coming back to judge his people. And when we abide in him, we have confidence to stand before him. And if your brain is wired kind of like mine, then, then maybe when you hear abide so that, then you think, oh, wait a second. So that, what do you mean? We need to, it sounds like we need to do something in order to have confidence. But friends, I, I want to unpack that for us because that is not the case. I want to go to John 15, chapter, or chapter 15, verse 3. He says this, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he says this, that already, already, this is a state of being, already you are clean, state of being. You are clean. Why? 
not because of what you've done, not because of what you can do, but because of the word that I have spoken to you. So abide in me and I in you. The word that he has spoken to us has made us clean. This is our state of being. We're clean. So in other words, it is the message of the gospel that makes us clean. And my friends, what is the gospel? A lot of the times we assume that we know. We talk about the gospel. We're a gospel-centered church. But how many times do we actually unpack that and talk about it? I want to do that for us today. Because the gospel is all about the life, about the obedience, about the suffering, the crucifixion, the death, the resurrection, and ascension of Christ. That is why we are clean. It is not because of what we have done. It is not because of what we can do, or we should do, or what we will do, but only because of what Christ has accomplished for us. The gospel is this, the God became flesh and dwelt among us. And he lived a life that we couldn't live, and he suffered the death that we deserve. He died the death that we deserve, but in glory, he rose again in three days. So in his death, we are united to him also, and in his resurrection, we have life. What does that make us, friends? Children of God. That is, hear me, hear me. That is good news for you and for me this morning. That is the good news of the gospel. And because all of this is true, what we just talked about, all of this is true, here's the reminder that you are children of God. That is your identity That is who you are. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The love of the Father is displayed in the fact that we have received the right to be called children of God. This is where our comfort comes from this morning. If you are a believer... In the message of the gospel, if, if Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, then you are a child of God. There is no doubt about it. You're not guaranteeing that for yourself, crisis. So why is John reminding us that we are children of God? Like, like what is the purpose of him doing that? I was chatting with my wife about, hey, help me to come up with stories because I want to have stories for this sermon, right? But, but as I was chatting with my wife, I started to tell her, you know what? I know, I know that you are a stoic. Not because I, I know that that is or was your last name because now you're married to me, but it is because of the way that you are and the way that you interact with the world, the way that you treat others and treat me, the things that you like, the things that you don't like, the things that you do and the things that you don't do, everything. When I, when I look at you because I know you and I look at your family because I know your family, it is evident to me that you belong to them, that you are of them. In the same way, funny enough, my family is actually here visiting from Mexico. 
and it has been a joy for us to have them because this is the first time in a very long time that we've been able to spend time with them like this. In the same way, my wife has noticed why I am the way that I am, right? And, and she has gotten to see it firsthand now. So why do I say this? Because my wife exhibits her parents' character because she shares her parents' nature. I also exhibit my parents' character the way that I am. I share their nature. So in the same way, John wants us to to be reminded that we are children of God, and as such, we get to exhibit God's character and nature. Friends, in a world that is constantly pushing you, pushing me, pushing us to look at many places to seek approval, to be liked, to be accepted, in a society that forces us to conform to their patterns in order to be accepted, to embrace anti-gospel ideologies in order to be welcome, look no further. Here's the truth for us. We have great comfort because we already are accepted. We already are approved. We are already welcome into God's family. We are his children because of what Christ has done for you and me. This is what John 1, 12 says. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. That is who you are. That is who I am. John is reminding us that our identity is that we are children of God, and as such, our lives will indicate, will display that we have been born of Him. And this happens organically, because this is who we are. And because we are truly children of God, John encourages us to practice righteousness. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning. Because he has been born of God. This is a little interesting for me. Because if I'm honest, as I was preparing for the sermon, I, I, I wrestle with this tension because of, of the background where I grew up in church. Anything that tells me to, that I hear the word righteousness or practice, yellow flag, red flag, legalistic. Ah, what are we talking about here? Right? I don't know if you, I don't know if you can relate to that. But I, I certainly can. And it would be very easy for us to fall into, into uh, misinterpreting the text in this way, to feel like, oh man, well, you're telling me that I have to practice righteousness? Like, you're telling me that I have to do something? Well, I'm just going to let the Word of God speak for itself, and I'm not going to tell you what I think, but what it says. Before we unpack this point to practice righteousness, I want us to take a look at 1 Corinthians 1.30. 
And you can go there with me if you like. I have it in the screen. Please read it with me because this is beautiful. This is what it says, that it is because of him that you, the us, the we, are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. What is that? I'm glad that you asked because here it is. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and redemption. That is who Jesus is for us. John is not telling us that we need to earn our righteousness. John wants us to remember and have confidence and assurance in the fact that we are children of God. He's reminding us of our true identity. This is where, friends, for you this morning, we have faith in Christ. This is where your security comes from, your safety, your comfort. This is our assurance. But as we consider this our comfort of our true identity as his children, there's also this challenge. Because if we are children of God, we will live as such. That is who we are. So here's the challenge too. John tells us that God's children don't make a repetitive practice of the same sin. They will not keep on doing that. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. This is the point. Because we are, not in order to, but because we are, we will organically, and obviously depending on the work of the Holy Spirit, we will organically live out a life where righteous living becomes a habit. You can call that sanctification for us. The dwelling of the Holy Spirit in us helps us to be rooted in gospel doctrine, the right teachings, the truth. But not only that, it doesn't stop there. The dwelling of the Holy Spirit in us also help us, helps us to grow in gospel culture, to live out in our identity as God's children. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in us right now, actively. So what does that mean to practice righteousness? What do we do with this? In light of the fact that John tells us that we have the Holy Spirit and the gospel, John gives us clarity regarding this question. Because if we go through the first chapter, second chapter, third chapter of this letter, we'll see the difference of those who are children of God and those who are the children of the devil or the world. And we see this. Children of God walk in the light. Of the devil, they walk in darkness. Children of God practice truth. Of the devil, they don't keep God's command. Of God, love his brother. Of the devil, hates his brother. Of God, confess sin. This is exactly what we did together earlier. Why do we do that? Because we know that we have a God who is faithful and just to forgive us when we confess our sins to him. The children of the devil, what do they do? They don't confess their sin. In fact, what they say is, I am not a sinner. I don't sin. 
The children of God come to know him. The children of the devil, they go out from us. The children of God practice righteousness. The children of the devil practice lawlessness. Can you see how different these two groups of people are? And I want to remind you, you don't belong to the group that says of the devil. Who you are is you are a children, a child of God. That is who you are. That is who I am. So to wrap this up, what is the main idea again? What do we need to remember? If everything that I said to you this morning, you're like, I don't even remember what you said, dude. That's okay. I want you to remember this. You are a children, a child of God. And because we are, not in order to become, but because we are, we will abide and we will practice righteousness. The Holy Spirit guarantees that for us and is doing that for us. So when the weight of the world overwhelms you, when the weight of your sin crushes you, when the false teachers try to deceive you with a false message that is attractive, when you feel restless because now you're operating out of performance rather than your true identity in Christ as a child of God, turn your eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Abide in Jesus. This is where our safety, our comfort, our security and assurance comes from. In the words of Andrew Murray, he says this. Abide in the wounds of Jesus. There is, a, there is the place of union and life and growth. There thou shalt see how his heart was opened to receive thee. How his flesh was rent that the way might be open for thy being made one with him. And having access to all the blessings flowing from his divine nature. So this morning, rely on your advocate. The great high priest who sympathizes with us and meets us in our weakness. Set your eyes on the one who with his blood made you clean. Don't perform in order to become do because you already are a child of God. And because you are, you can with confidence and boldly live out your identity as such. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your truth. The, the truth of the gospel is that it's not based on us. It is not what we can do. It is what Christ has done. I pray that your spirit would continually remind us of our true identity so that we may walk in the ways that you have prepared for us. We praise you for this wonderful work and the beautiful news of the gospel. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name as your children. Amen. Amen.